Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Starting a new series today called Asking for a Friend. Are you guys ready for it? To where we're taking your questions and going to answer them according to the Word of God. And um, we've received about 16 questions, so I'm not going to be able to answer all of those over the course of the next four weeks um, this month. But what I want to try to do is take those that have been the most popular, and we're going to answer those. And some of them have been really, really good that I actually may make a whole series out of for next year. So um, today we're going to answer this question that a couple of people asked um, through the survey, but also just in recent conversations over the last several months with, with people as I'm talking to them. They want to know, how do I know God is speaking to me? How do I know if it's the voice of God? How do I know it's not my thoughts? How do I know it's not the enemy? And so um, for, for some of us who've been walking with Jesus for a little bit, we may think, well, that's an that's a, uh, easy, easy question. You just know, but I'm 44 years old, almost 45, and I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And there are still times where I feel like God is talking to me, but I'm like, is this me? Is this the Holy Spirit or is this the pizza that I had late last night, right? And so I want to help us to understand how God speaks uh, and then also help us to understand how we can learn to hear him a little more clear. And so we, we have to, to, to settle that, that, that God has spoken, but God is also still speaking because we don't serve a God who is non-existent, non-involved, dead in the ground. We serve a God who is alive, the God who was, who is, and will be. And so he's not silent. As a matter of fact, Job says this in chapter 33, verse 14, and Job is in an intense conversation with God. And he's going through all of this stuff because he's so righteous within his body, and, 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 and Job gets frustrated. But Job recognizes in, in verse 14, he says this, for God does speak, not God has spoken. God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. And what he's saying is like God is, is always speaking in different ways, but a lot of times our ears, our spiritual ears, aren't open to hear when and how and what he's speaking. So he's saying, look, God speaks in a bunch of different ways. He's speaking this way in this season, and then he's speaking in another way in a different season. But we think that God is gonna speak the same way all the time. And I'm just reminded just now, those of us who, who have seen the movie or read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in that series in Prince Caspian, the young girl's waiting for Aslan to show up again, and he finally shows up towards the end, and she said, I thought you were going to show up the same way you did last time. 
And I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I don't show up the same way every time. And God doesn't speak the same way every time, but there are patterns that we can look at and there's some truths that we can dig into in scripture to understand when it is God speaking. And when we look in scripture, starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation, we see that in scripture, God has spoken to people in many different ways. In many different ways. He has spoken to people throughout time in many different ways. And and just even kind of looking through the Old Testament, we know in Exodus, when Moses is kind of on the run, he's in isolation, hiding out because he's, he's killed an Egyptian and he's walking through the wilderness. And as he's walking, he comes upon a bush that is on fire and the Lord speaks out of the bush. Okay, we read about that, but I've never experienced that. Anyone else ever experienced a talking burning bush? No, okay. And then we see also later on that in, in Numbers chapter 22, there's this, there's this prophet Balaam that is sent to go give a word. And as he's traveling on his donkey, the donkey sees this giant angel of the Lord and keeps running off the road. And Balaam decides he's gonna beat the donkey for not going. And guess what the donkey starts doing? He starts talking to him. I'm freaking out. I'm leaving the donkey in the ditch. I'm not getting back on the donkey. And I actually found this um, historical rendition of what the donkey might have looked like. Can you guys throw the picture up there? That's kind of what the donkey might, might have looked like, right? But, but no joke, if, if, if God speaks, starts speaking through me, through an, an animal at my house, like I'm leaving the house and I'm probably not going back, right? And so God, we also see God speaking to the prophet Elijah through a whisper. And when, when, when Elijah is on the run from King Ahab and Jezebel, he goes into a cave and he experiences all these supernatural, natural occurrences in the moment where there's fire from heaven, there's an earthquake, there's a windstorm, there's all these loud things, but it says God was not speaking through those things. Instead, my Bible folks know he was speaking through what? A quiet whisper. And then we also see that all throughout, we see God speaking through angels, we see him speaking through kings, we see him speaking through prophets, through circumstances, through situations. And and all of those things, all of those individuals, they are all speaking about one thing and towards one thing, and that is Jesus. Every story that we read in the Old Testament, and there's even individuals, characters, prophets within those stories that are, are shadow types of the coming Messiah. And so everything in the Old Testament God is speaking about the coming Messiah. But then, but then Paul says this in, in Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. As Paul is writing, he says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus is his son. So God has spoken not just through prophets and kings and and angels, but Paul is saying, finally, in these last days, he was writing about the last days then, so guess what? We're kind of still in the last days. And so in these last days, God has spoken through Jesus. Many of us in this room have red-letter Bibles. Guess what the red letters stand for? 
Those are the words that Jesus has spoken. And when we read those red letter words as Jesus has spoken, it's not just, it's God speaking through Jesus because they are one and the same. And he even says this in John chapter 12, verse 49 through 50, he says, Jesus, now this is Jesus talking to the crowd. And he says, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So not just what, but he's commanded on how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the father tells me to say. And so I was like, wait, is, is Jesus God? Is God God? We talked about the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago. Who's, yes, right? Yes, they are all. We believe that Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. We cannot disconnect. He is three in one, right? And so, but God has spoken through Jesus. We read that in the New Testament, but here's what I want us to know going forward is God is still speaking. That just because the book of Revelations is the last chapter or the last book in the Bible, the last book of Revelation, God is still speaking even today. And so we're gonna talk about how, how does God speak to us, okay? How, how do you know that, that God is speaking to you? Well, first and for, foremost, we have to understand that God has spoken and is speaking and will speak through his word, through his word. This is the first source that, that, that we should look to when we're looking and asking and listening for God to speak is what does his word say? Paul says this, he, he's given Timothy some, some um, advice and he says this in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and help us to make us realize what's wrong with our life. He says, everything that is written in this book is inspired by God. Some translation says God breathed, and even though it was written by a multitude of men on different continents and across centuries, it's still the same God speaking to all of those. And, and jumping back to the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 55, the prophet says this, he's saying, like he's speaking for God, God is speaking through him, and Isaiah says this, is, is that God? No, just kidding. He says, my words leave my mouth and do exactly what I want them to do. Now, the Lord's been dealing on me for the last couple of years with that scripture because so many times I want the word of God to do what I want it to do. But that's not the promise in scripture. The promise in scripture is that the word of God will do exactly what he wants it to do and I'm finding the longer I live on this earth, what I want it to do and what he wants it to do sometimes can be opposed, can be different. But it says that my words leave my mouth and they do what I want it to do. And so we have to understand that, that God is speaking through his word. Prayer that I pray at the beginning almost of every service before I preach, I pray this. It says in Hebrews, it says the, the, the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, revealing us to ourselves. Why I pray that is because that is God's word speaking to our hearts. 
And as God's word speaks to our heart, it reveals the things inside of us that are not of God. It reveals us to ourselves. It's like looking in a mirror, and James even says this, like, like don't hear the word of God and then walk away and don't do what it says. You wouldn't look in a mirror and walk away and forget what you look like. Although sometimes I'd like to forget what I look like after I look in the mirror, right? It's like, especially when you wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, good Lord, like, where did, where did that handsome guy go from 15 years ago? Like, that's the guy I wanna remember. But it says, you don't listen to the word of God and, and walk away and don't do what it says. And so we know that God's word is speaking. And, and so it's alive and active. And those of us who have, who have read through the Bible or those of us maybe who have read the same verse at different seasons within our life, the words on the page do not change. You read the exact same passage of scripture, but from one year to the next, you can get something completely different from it. You know why? Because the word is alive and it is active and it's speaking something different to you based on the season of life that you're in and the questions that you may have about faith, about life. But God is always speaking through his word. He's also speaking through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 Verses 12 through 15, as Jesus is getting ready to go, in, in, to, to go to the Father, he says this in verse 12, there's so much more that I wanna tell you. I've been speaking and I've been saying everything that the Father has told me to say and there's so much more that I wanna tell you, but you can't bear it now. It's like I can't give you all this information because you're not ready for it. Like, like you're, you're, you're not ready for it. You can't bear it now. So when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And look, this is what he says even about the Holy Spirit. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. What did Jesus say he was doing? I'm only telling you what the Father has told me, right? And so now he's saying the Holy Spirit who now resides in us, for those of us who are believers, right? The Holy Spirit is in us forming us into the image of the son, he says he's going to say what I tell him to say. And he will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And all that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Do you guys see that? The, the pattern, God speaks to men and then he speaks through Jesus and now Jesus speaks through the Holy Spirit directly to us. And Jesus, when he's in that last discourse in another chapter in John, he says, you know the Spirit because he is with you, talking about the Spirit of God that is, that is on Jesus. But then he says, when I leave, this Spirit will not just be with you, but where, right? He'll be in us. And so for those of us who are following Jesus, we kind of have this conversation, is this my conscience or is this the Holy Spirit? If you're following Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit that is leading and guiding you. Now, if you are not in relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit works outside of you in connection with the word of God, drawing you to him, okay? But when we accept Christ as Lord, Romans says that, that his spirit bonds with our spirit so that we can call out Abba, Father. 
that, that, that we no longer have the spirit of, of slavery, the spirit of fear, that we have a spirit of freedom because of the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit just isn't this, this force within us that's just hanging out, but it is a person. It is the presence, the Spirit of God that is working within us, telling us what Jesus wants us to know about our lives. So you take the word of God, which is the word of God, and you take the spirit of God, which is the spirit of God. You put the two together and it's working simultaneously in us, forming us into the image of God, into the image of Christ. That's, that's the primary. We, we talk about purpose and we talk about destiny. We talk about all these things that are great, but the primary purpose of listening to God in our lives is so that we can follow him to become more like him right? Not so we go and accomplish all these great things. And so God is speaking through the Holy Spirit. Um, it's almost like that nudge bringing up scriptures that you read. Like you may have read something weeks ago, but then you're in a conversation. This happens to me like, like quite a bit. I'm in a conversation with somebody and as they're talking, I'm thinking of scripture that relates to their situation. Do you know how the Holy Spirit is able to remind me of those scriptures? Because I put them in there. You can't bring up things that aren't there, right? So we have to have those two things working together. God also speaks through circumstances. He speaks through the things that, that we go through, and he actually even allows things to happen in our life to get our attention. There was a conversation going on before services, like, like when, did, when did Israel, like what caused Israel to fall? And just like, it was God. God called Israel to fall in the Old Testament. You know why? Because they had turned their backs on him. And he even says, and this is kind of a hard pill to swallow because we like to think God is great and he is, but sometimes the things that he does in our life that are good don't feel good. And he even says this in 2 Chronicles. He says, listen, I will shut up the heavens I will cause droughts, I will cause famine, I will cause locusts, I will cause disease. We don't like to talk about that, but the very next verse says why he does this. That if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their prayers and hear, heal their land. That the circumstances, that whether God causes them, God allows them, I'm not gonna be the judge on which is which because guess who I'm not? I'm not God, but we have to know that these things happen because God is trying to get our attention to speak to us so that we would turn back to him, right? And then also another like avenue, another, a, a, another way God speaks is just through other people. You know, we look in the New Testament and he's given these gifts to the church. He's given apostles, prophets, and teachers to discern the word of God, to teach it to the people. He's also given individuals within the church the gift of prophecy, prophecy to, 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 to be able to speak the truth of God. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, these are gifts within the church. These are speaking gifts to be able to say what God says. That's essentially what it is. Like we look at this gift of prophecy as this, as this like, voodoo, fortune-telling type thing. But honestly, it's just saying, when we prophesy, we are just saying what God says. 
whether that's from scripture, whether that's the Holy Spirit speaking in us, we are just saying what God says. And a lot of times those line up in words of wisdom, what's going on in a situation without, without someone telling you, like you know what's going on in someone's life without someone telling you. Or maybe a word of knowledge, that's where the Holy Spirit is consistently bringing up scripture in your life to share with other people. That is God speaking through them, or maybe God speaking through you. Now, on this one, I will have to say this, okay? Because I've, I've had some, thus saith the Lord, spoken to me, and I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, if someone, the first thing they say to you in an introduction, they introduce themselves, and they tell you that they have the gift of prophecy immediately, Go the other direction for a while, okay? Because there are people out there who may be operating from the right motive. They may have good intentions and a good heart, but they may miss God in what they're saying. And so take what other people say secondary to what the word of God says. So if someone says, I've got a word from the Lord from you, take it and receive it but hold it up against the word of God and test it against the spirit of God. How does that sit within you? Like I was having a conversation last week with a young man after service and, and he's telling me these things and in the moment I felt like that this is what the Lord wants to say to you and, and I told him, I was like, I think maybe this is what God is saying and then I will say this, anytime I feel like God tells me to tell something to someone, now you can do with it what you want. <laughs> right? Because I want them to test it. And I said, this, is, this sounds good to me, but what does the Holy Spirit and the Word of God say to you? Okay? And so we want to make sure that we receive when someone else is speaking to us, but we don't let it supersede what the Word of God says to us. Okay? And so when we look at this, and, and, and we will see this. This is what it all based on. Everything God says and every way he says it will line up with his word. Everything he's, I'm joking when I say, if an animal in my house starts talking, speaking to me through that, I'm gonna freak out, but I'm gonna have to lean in and listen at some point, right? Now, when God is speaking, because some of you in here may be having to make a decision or maybe you feel like God is speaking, like I don't know. Most of the time, if God is speaking, there is confirmation from more than one direction or more than one source, okay? Jesus is even talking about when he's preaching to the crowds, he says, I don't just testify about myself. He's saying, I'm just not the one to validate me. The miracles that I do validates who I am and the words that I speak validate who I am, right? So we wanna look for validation and a lot of time that comes from, does it line up with God's word? Does it resonate within the spirit, within our, within our heart? Is, are other people in my life saying similar things? And so it's almost like the Holy Spirit will, what Paul, Paul even says this, he says in, in the mouth of two or three, something is confirmed, right? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, something is established. He says this in, in 1 Corinthians. And so just to give you an example from my life, I've told stories of church planning. There's all kinds of things and confirmations where God spoke in different ways, but when we were here in 2019, things weren't going so well. Like, not well at all. 
We moved. We're trying to build a team of like 45 to 50 people. We're trying to raise $50,000 or more, right? The minimum. And my wife is starting a new job. My kids are in new schools. Um, I'm coaching soccer to toddlers, which is not in my gifting, right? But I'm doing anything I can to earn extra money. And like there, there was a point in season where I was like, I've missed God. Like I'd spent time like in prayer and like curled up in the fetal position and the, like my wife would go to work and it would just be me. I was like, God, I missed you. I'm sorry. Like I even, I even called open door at one point. I was like, hey, will you guys buy my house? And I'm not telling my wife any of this, right? And so, so like I'm, I'm going, I'm like, I gotta find a way out because I've missed God. But you know what? That, that did not set right with my spirit. That was fear. That was fear because things weren't going the way that I thought they were going to go. I'd had confirmation from other people that we were doing what we were supposed to do. But my fear in that moment was louder than what the Holy Spirit and what other people had confirmed. So for that brief period of time, I was going in, I was leaning into fear. Now, fast forward a month or two, we're in November beginning of December, and I'm like, okay, God, I know we're supposed to be here. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to trust you. And I started sensing that we were supposed to change our launch date. Our original launch date was February 23rd, 2020. And in November, I started sensing, okay, God, we're going to stay, but maybe we're just not supposed to launch in February. Maybe we're supposed to launch in September because it's really hard and that gives us extra time. That gives my family an opportunity to kind of put their roots down a little bit, little bit more. But here's, what, here's now what I'm wrestling with. I'm having the conversation with my wife that, that, that we need to push back. And she is an eight on the Enneagram. She's a high D. She's like, no, we moved here. We're gonna, we're gonna start this thing, come hell or high water. And I'm like, babe, I really feel like we're supposed to do this, but we're supposed to wait till September. And so we prayed, we fasted, we talked to our leadership, our mentors, our overseers. We had 12 people on our launch team at this point, nowhere near 45 to 50. We talked to all of them, saying we're gonna push back. We were even still trying to recruit people on our launch team. So we're, we're, we're making the decision to push back. We have an interest party to where we're trying to meet people and cast vision for them to join our launch team to help us plant a church. Our last interest party, we go to eat with a couple ladies at, at Demas's. Jolie, who oversees our nursery, and Leslie, who if you've visited here and she's been at the door, you've probably gotten a hug from, from Leslie. She never meets a stranger. And so they want to meet us to talk about being on the launch team, and we know we're pushing back. And we're like, how do we recruit them to be on our launch team but tell them not right now? It's like, we're going to start a church. We thought it was going to be in February, but now we think it may be in September. Why don't you guys follow us? I'm not following you. You don't know what you're doing, right? And so we're having this conversation. And we finish with dinner, and we encourage them to pray about it. Leslie goes home that night, and she is doing the Jesus Calling devotion. She had not done her devotion that morning. So when she gets home after dinner, she does her Jesus Calling devotion. This took place on December the 11th, 2019. Can you guys put that devotion up on the screen? Um, so it says this. It says, I'm working on your behalf, 
Bring me all your concerns, including your dreams. Talk with me about everything, letting the light of my presence shine on your hopes. Spend time allowing my light to infuse your dreams with life, gradually transforming them into reality. This is a practical way of collaborating with me. I, the creator of the universe, have designed to, to co-create with you. Um, you guys see this? Do not try to hurry the process. If you want to work with me, you have to accept my time frame. I just finished having a conversation with her saying, I feel like we're supposed to push back. It's not something I want to do. Will you please help us start a church? And she goes home and reads this. We had known her like two weeks. We're not like BFFs at this point. We're still strangers. And she sends that with, wow, not only was God speaking to her about coming alongside of us, but he was also speaking through her to Jennifer and I to let us know that, hey, it's okay. You're moving God's time frame. We have to be okay with that. And so when you look at this, understand that, that God will speak in different ways through different people, okay? Now, how do we hear God's voice clear? And we'll try to, try to go through this. In John 10, he says this. How do we hear God's voice clearly? In John 10, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the door for him and the sheep recognize, listen, the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they, what, know his voice. They don't follow a stranger. They run from him because they don't know his voice. Real quick, how to hear the voice of God clearly. This is Jesus illustrating that he is the good shepherd. And he says, my sheep know my voice. It says that, that he calls his sheep. If we are going to hear God's voice, we have to first belong to him. Like, like we have to be a part of his flock. We have to be a part of his sheepfold. And, and that is answering his first call. When the Holy Spirit draws us in relationship with his word into a relationship with Jesus, when we say yes and surrender our life to Jesus, we become a part of his flock, so to speak. We become his. And so you cannot hear the voice of God clearly without being his. So you have to be his. That starts with surrendering your life. And then it says that, that they come to him. So to be his, you have to come to him. You have to turn from your ways, accept his ways. You have to turn from your life to his life. You have to come to him. And as you come to him and you spend time with him, as with anyone else, you begin to know his voice. There are people in this room that I didn't know three years ago, but because I've spent the last three years in a relationship with them, guess what? I recognize their voice. And the more time you spend with someone, the more time you're going to recognize their voice. Doesn't it make sense that the more time we spend with God in his word and in prayer and with his people, we're going to know his voice 
more, right? And so we know his voice, but we just don't know his voice. We don't just hear his voice. What do the sheep do? What do they do? They follow. They follow in obedience. That when God calls us, we follow. And the more we follow, guess what? The more we're with him, and the more we're with him, it just bears to witness that the more we know his voice. But we have to continually follow. In that season where I wanted to move and go back home and tuck my tail between my legs, it's like it's too hard. I was able to discern between the voice of fear and the voice of God. But it's because I've spent years in the word of God, in prayer, and around the people of God. So we know his voice, we follow his voice, and then the last thing is, is they don't follow the thief's voice because they don't know his voice. And so we don't follow, we resist the enemy's voice. We have to go against, and, and can I, sometimes the enemy's voice is very tempting. Sounds like an angel, right? That, that if we follow it, things would be great, it will feel good for a moment when we give in to that, that tempting voice. But the more we follow that tempting voice, guess what we're more apt to do? To follow that tempting voice. And so when we hear the tempting voice, we resist that. I resisted the fear and I stayed planted here so that I could hear God's voice even louder to move the launch date to September. Now, that devotion was from December the 11th. Our launch date was gonna be February 23rd, 2020. Do you guys know what happened on March 13th, 2020? Everything shut down. And so I recognize God's voice, and I tell people this all the time, what hurt my pride saved our tail, right? And that I was able to listen because I could discern between what was the enemy's voice trying to get me to go home and what was God's voice getting me to stay here just wait a little bit longer, right? And so when we're looking at this, um, how do we know that it's the enemy's voice or the voice of God? A couple of questions, okay? A couple of questions you can use to discern. Will following this voice lead to more Christ-likeness? Will following this voice, will it lead me to become more like Christ? Will it lead me to, to trust God more? Will it lead me outside of my comfort zone where I have to um, rely on God more? Or will following this voice lead to sin? Will following what I feel like is being said on the inside of me or from the outside, not from the word of God, right? We know that the word of God will not lead us astray. But we also know that Satan can use the word of God to manipulate, right? And so we have to say, all right, what is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? And is it the enemy? If it's the enemy, then it's, it's pulling me away from the things of God. If it's the Holy Spirit, he's drawing me closer to the things of God, okay? Um, and let me just simplify something for you. Like some of you may be like, I, I wanna follow the Holy Spirit in everything, and, and that's what we do, but I think sometimes we can overcomplicate things and especially those of us who have a hard time making a decision, um, this guy, we, we tend to overcomplicate things. And you look at a simple scenario of um, in the summertime, I've, 
Like, I really want to go on vacation with my family, but maybe I feel like we're supposed to go on a missions trip um, with my family, but I don't know if my family would like that. Can I just let you know, like, the kingdom's going to be built either way? Like, you can go on a missions trip, and you can minister to the people there and share the gospel, and things can go great. But you know what? You can also go on vacation with your family, and your family be strengthened, and that edify the kingdom as well. And so don't overcomplicate it. God's good. And even if you mess it up with good intention, guess what he's going to do? He's going to bring good out of it. So, so just, just release some of that pressure and just, ah, I don't want to be outside of the will of God. If, if you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit with the right heart, even if you step out just a little bit, he will bring you back in and make it for good. Okay, so when we're looking and, and we're listening to these thoughts, the enemy's voice versus God's voice. This is what John 10, 10 says. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations say to give them a life greater than they've ever dreamed, a life more abundantly. So when we're looking at the enemy's voice, versus God's voice. The enemy's voice sounds like this. The situation is hopeless. You blew it last time. You're gonna blow it again. You should just give up. You should just run away. You're a complete failure. That's the enemy's voice. God's voice says this. It says, you're never alone. I'm with you. You don't need to do anything to please me. I love you already. Trust in me. Even when you feel weak, trust in me and I will give you strength. See, the enemy's saying you're a complete failure. Just pack up and go home. God's saying, trust in me and I'll give you strength. He told Gideon, go with the strength that you have for I am with you because the voice of the enemy, it leads to discouragement, destruction, and death. Tries to discourage you, tries to deter you, bring destruction in your home, death to the dreams that God's placed on the inside of you. But God's voice, it leads to life, life, and more life. It says that I'll give you life more abundantly, more than you've ever dreamed of. And so if you're wrestling with, with this thought, this decision that's on the inside of you, God's voice is gonna lead to life, more life, and more life. The voice of the enemy would say this, that you've sinned too many times for God to forgive you. It's the last one. You've, 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 you've sinned too many times. God can't forgive you. You're weak. You're hopeless. The enemy's voice would say, look, that sin, that was the last straw. That's it. You have used up all of God's grace for your life. That was, that was the last sin. That, that's what the enemy would say to us. But, but God's voice would say this, what you did was wrong, but you're forgiven. It says, here's what you need to do to make the situation right. Yeah, what you did was wrong, but, but, but here's how we make things right. And he says this, the voice of God says, listen, I will help you take the next step. Because scripture says that God will give us the desire and the power, the strength to do what pleases him. He will, he will show us the next step. And so the voice of the enemy brings judgment and condemnation in our life. The voice of the enemy is to bring judgment and condemnation, but the voice of God brings conviction and a way forward. 
It says that all those who are in Christ, listen, all those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And Paul is wrestling with this thought and he says, look, all these good things that I want to do, I'm not doing those. Instead, I'm doing all the bad things that I know I shouldn't do. And just, just when I want to do good, evil is right there to tempt me. He says, what, what a wretched person am I who can save me from myself? Then the very next line in Romans chapter 8 says, but there is no condemnation. Thank God for Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so God is speaking through his word. He's speaking through our circumstances. He's speaking through the people around us. He's speaking on the inside through the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand, to, we have to learn to recognize his voice. And that comes from spending time in the presence of God, in the word of God, with the people of God, because this is what the voice of God says. You're, we, we see Jesus even saying this. He says, your faith has healed you. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And he says, your sins have been forgiven. Go and sin no more. So the voice of God acknowledges the sin in our life, but then also makes a way forward for us. And Paul says this. Listen, we have to take every single thought captive and we have to make it obedient to the calls to the word of God. And so how do you hear God's voice? It'd be real simple for me to say, just get in his word, just read his word. God's already spoken. It's as easy as that. It's as simple as that. But God's also speaking in here. He's speaking in here. He's speaking from people outside of us. But it will all line up with this. But the greatest message that he's spoken to all of us is not a message or direction about where we should go on vacation, where we should go on a mission trip, who we should marry, what job we should take. All of those are secondary to the message of salvation. And that it's that message that Jesus came to proclaim, that the kingdom of God is near. That was the message. That is what God was speaking from Genesis all the way today until the end of time. That is the ultimate message that he wants us to hear. And so if you're here today and you have not received that message that's been spoken to you, it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit is now in partnership with the word of God that goes out and is now drawing your heart that you would accept that message so that you could hear everything else God is trying to say to you because it's not until you belong to him that you can hear him more clearly. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I wanna pray for those of you who need to accept God's message on that, where he is speaking to you and saying, give me that which is most important to you. Give me your life, that I've laid my life down for yours. He says that come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That he trades all of your worries and all your questions for truth, not all the answers, but for truth in life. And if that's you and you're here today, I'm gonna ask you just to lift your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. And raising your hand does not save you, but it simply acknowledges that you need a savior and that you are saying, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all that you're going to say, but it's the start. It's the start of a relationship. 
Now look up here at me. Here's what we're gonna do. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, we're gonna pray. But I don't want you repeating after me. I want you to start a conversation with God so that you can hear his voice for yourself. And you start by saying simply, Jesus, I give you my life. That is surrender. That is repentance. Because you cannot give someone something without turning to them. And so when you turn to them, you turn from that which is behind you. So let's pray together. Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are not um, a God who has spoken, but you are a God who is speaking. And so, Father, for every heart in this room that has been lifted to know you as their Lord and Savior, to accept that final message, that most important message that you are the Messiah, that you are the Savior, that you have come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. God, I pray as they surrender their life to you now by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. God, that, that not all the questions will be answered, but God, truth will be laid out before them, that any sin, any shame and guilt that brought them to this point will be traded for life everlasting. And so, Father, I thank you for those of us in this room, God. I pray that, that those of us that are seeking answers on direction, that, that, that we would listen closely and that we would hold everything up to your word, whether it's spoken from family members, friends, within our heart through the Holy Spirit, we would hold it up to your word and that we would find confirmation um, with that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Amen. Thank you.